out of sin and death and decay. It's our desire that we would live for you and for the glory of your name. That's why we come here every Lord's Day to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be motivated, to have our hearts be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to live for you. That's why we were created and made and fashioned in the image and the likeness of you so that we might live for you to the glory of your name. Come Holy Spirit, touch me, fill me up, grant me the power to preach, to teach, to exhort, to the power of your word being proclaimed Come, Holy Spirit, and convict our hearts. Empower us to have a holy fear, a reverence fear, a fear of all the realities that we serve an almighty God who will one day, each and every one of us, from the small to the greatest, to the richest to the poorest, we would stand before you one day would have to give it an account of our lives, whether we have lived for you or for ourselves. Lord, we want to find ourselves having you say to us, well done, my faithful servant. For me, myself, as a preacher of the word, those who herald the word as pastors and leaders in a church told us that we would give a stricter account on that day. And Lord, there's a soberness that comes today when I think of that. And so I say here today, Father, please let me not say anything that would not be according to your word. And so bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't have to stand today. We have a long passage and some of y'all look like you've been doing a lot of walking and running. So I want to give you rest and you can just remain seated as I read the scripture today from Acts chapter 5 and so I got a lot to read I think we're going to have it up on the board as well and I have my glasses back on so I told people last week I didn't have to preach so people said Pastor I wear your glasses I got healed <laughs> well, y'all know better than that so Acts chapter 5 verses 17 to 42 in the word of God here in the book of Acts and so if you need your pew Bible in front of you, uh, I know some of you have your own Bibles, if that's okay, if you got your sword, which is a phone. But, I, you know, for those of us, I just like us to just have this in our hand. If you don't have one, should be one right in front of you. You should grab it, turn to page 1085. We're in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 to 42. So I'm going to get to it. Here we go. It says, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him that is the party of the Sadducees, the way we say this in the old black church, you know, you sad, you see. And they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel. 
and they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to preach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him at the right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up. and He gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. If this is planned or this is undertaken is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you would not be able to overthrow them, and you might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Please stand to your feet as we quote this. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Amen. You may be seated. Help me, Holy Spirit. Christians and the constant threat of persecution. As I preach this text today, 
as we preach through the book of Acts, I know and I understand as a 55-year-old pastor, soon to be 56, and one who constantly reads the latest research on Christianity, that most people here in America attending church today somewhere have very little understanding of what we call biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity. What do I mean by biblical Christianity, you may ask? Well, it is Christianity according to what Jesus taught the apostles and what the apostles wrote down for us in the New Testament and for us here in 2022 to follow and implement and to keep, not to come up with our own ideals of what we think the text is saying, but what we know to be true. So in my Christian journey, I have been around various professing Christian denominations and many different professing Christian groups that taught a lot of what I would call unbiblical teachings as it relates to biblical Christianity and doctrine. Let me give you a few. You may have been around some of this. God wants every believer to be filthy, filthy, filthy rich. Wealthy, beyond your imagination. Healed and well. Heard that one? Another one, everyone should speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you can't be saved. You ain't going to have the Holy Spirit in you. And then there's this one, that the, the misinterpretations of Galatians 3.28, where it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are only one in Christ Jesus. So they read that text, and so they, therefore they say, there are no distinctions on who can be a leader or who can be leaders of a local congregation. Disregarding church history, starting with the apostles, the church fathers, and etc. Let me tell you guys something. If you read the Bible yesterday, it, Christianity didn't start with you. You didn't start Christianity, nor did I. It's been around for 2,000 years. Some point we go to read the Bible. Oh, no, I never saw this before. <laughs> this is a new idea. <laughs> We're just going to implement. I used to be one of those guys. Well, let me come up with a new revelation. As though Augustus, Tertullian, Apostle Peter, James and John, all those guys, that I found something that they didn't see. And that's the, the, the arrogance of people to, to look at their church history and just say, you know what, I don't like what Paul says about this. So I'm going to change it up. And so here's my last and final um, unbiblical teaching that many of us in the room have encountered. Knowingly or unknowingly, just being born in America. If you've been born in America, you've, you've come across this teaching. I'm telling you right now. You've heard. I know I've heard it a thousand times. Every time I turn on the television, I'm hearing it. It's all over Birmingham. Here it is. If you accept Jesus and you believe in him, then you will never, 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 never 
never experienced any persecution or affliction because you're a child of God. How many of you heard that? Don't raise your hand. Just say, I'm a child of God. It's all over. No, it wants to be afraid of part. You know, like, oh, I don't want to be persecuted. So I can grow to thousands. I, oh, I like that. I can follow that Jesus. I'll just never go through any persecution. Woo! I like that Jesus. <laughs> Love it. All over. Almost coming from every pulpit today. Bless me sermon. We hear this stuff coming from television, evangelists, many churches here in Birmingham. The preachers and teachers are constantly telling us that persecution and affliction is something to avoid. It's a sign that God's favor is not on you if you're going through a persecution. That God's favor is, is, a, is aloof from you. That you don't have God's favor on you. But I want to interject here as a senior pastor here at Urban Hope and one of the elders among elders, a plurality of elders, that here at Urban Hope and within our leadership, we're going to do our best. And we try to do our best to, um, to stay within the biblical context of Scripture interpretation taught by the apostles and who was taught by the great apostle himself, which is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Um, he's the architect of the church, not Alphonse. And I was around a lot of craziness. Didn't understand it, but good thing, that's why I tell you, if you want to walk with Urban Hope, and you want to just, because I'm going to stay in the book. You know, because I got to stand before you in front of Jesus. So I don't want to be trying to, you know, I try to make sure I stay in line with Apostle Paul and teaching what they taught. I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm in line. But there was my old, my old days, I don't think I even cared what they thought. I just realized something new, it, it worked, and people like it. But now as I'm getting older and I'm getting closer to that light, <laughs> I want to make sure if I'm going to stand in front of him, and Sandra won't be there with me, I'm going to say, where's Sandra? No, Jesus, said, no, you by yourself. <laughs> well, my children, no, you by yourself. I gave you the calling. Now you're about to be held accountable for what you said and what you didn't say. So I want to make sure. So here, we want to stay in line with ancient Christianity, what was taught, goes back to Reformation. Church always goes away. So I'm, I'm trying to do my best. And so I want to stay in line. And so I want to see what Jesus has to say about persecution. Here's my first slide. First, I mean, John chapter um, 15. Here we go. Let's look at what Jesus says about persecution. Not what we hear from the average pulpit, but what Jesus himself, the great bishop, the great apostle of us all. Apostle means sent one. He was sent by his father. If the world hates you, cosmos, know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus said, the world hates me. They don't like me. If you read John chapter 3, Jesus tells you why. Because he comes to expose what is in the darkness. But the world loves darkness. Hollywood loves darkness. <laughs> and that's just not Hollywood. It's not just the world, but it's all over. And Jesus said in verse 19, the world, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, and but I chose you, called you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
missio is the word hate. This is a real hatred. It's not like, like some of us got little babies and just started stopping crying because of this. It's not that kind of it's like, like when Sandra's mom, and she had a pinch, and Sandra has it a little bit too. She can pinch you and grab your skin and make you call on Jesus when you don't even want to. And Sandra has some of that anointing on her when she just pinches you. Like, my goodness, where you get that pinch from? It's an ancient pinch. I don't know where she learned it. She just saw her mom doing it. She got it honestly. Verse uh, 20. Jesus says, remember the words that I said to you, a servant, that's what we are, or servants of Jesus, is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they would also persecute you, Jesus said. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account, here again, of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. All right? Next slide. So what does the apostles teach about persecution? I just took one. I took the apostles' words. The apostles taught that in 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, 4, it says that no one be moved by these afflictions, persecutions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. As soon as you take on Jesus' name, you want to follow him, the apostles are saying, Apostle Paul, you are destined for this. I don't care what Joel Osteen says. Now, I pick on Joel Osteen because nobody in here knows Joel Osteen. He's got 80,000 members. Pretty sure he doesn't care about a kid from Sardis with a 50, 60 people in his church here in Fairfield. He's like, he's just a little fly, a little gnat. So that's how I can just say Joel Osteen. Trying to be smart with that. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand, Paul is telling them, that we were to suffer affliction. Notice it's all throughout Apostle Paul's teachings. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. So the apostles, they're not like, hey, you come out with Jesus, you're not going to get persecuted. Next slide. Second Corinthians. This is to, to address here. Now, Paul is telling us how Satan says, if the good news or the gospel, which is good news, that's what it means, good news, we preach is hidden behind a veil, if it is hidden only from people who are perishing, and they're dying, going into the deep abyss, dying in their sins, not being forgiven of their sins, which is only found in the cross of Christ, the gospel. He said they're perishing. Notice it didn't say, Paul didn't put in there in, in 2022, they are resting in peace, R-I-P. He doesn't put that there. Just got to read the text carefully. Then verse 4, he says, Satan, remember him? He's Now, we've been in the book of Acts. He, he keeps showing up. Then Paul says, Satan, who is little g, the god of this world, this current world that we live in, this domain, has blinded. Look at the spiritual warfare. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. That's why you think you go up the miles, you go up to high school, and we're trying to preach the gospel. You wonder why kids are fighting, the distractions going on. There's warfare. 
That's why you got to have a praying game. You can't do Christianity and evangelism if you don't have a prayer life. This is a spiritual war. You're not going to walk in the hood and just say Jesus without Satan putting up a fight. Some of us, we got to up the prayer game. You got to up praying, fasting, being on your knees. This is a spiritual battle. Satan is just not sitting there, okay, just come in on my turf, and I'm just going to let the kid go. He's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious good news or the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan at work. That's why we pray. We ask God spiritual warfare all the time. All right, Cordell, you can take those down. So in my message today, I have three points that I want to bring out in this passage of Scripture today. Titled, Christians and the Constant Threat of Persecution. The first point that I want to bring out, why are they really being persecuted? I want to answer that question. Why are the disciples, the apostles, being persecuted? Second point, to whom is our allegiance in the midst of persecution? Who do you obey? You're being persecuted. It's a third point, the joy of being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Let me say it again. The joy of being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. My first point, why are they really being persecuted? I added here a second question along with the first one. And you ever asked to see this? Why are Christians always under the constant threat of persecution always around the world? What did the China know? Southern, I mean, South, I mean, uh, Arabia, Sudan. What did they know about you? You can bring in all the really, you know, don't bring that Jesus here. Why am I, I mean, when I first got into Christianity, I said, why do I hate Christians? What's up with Christianity that the dark world sees? You can go in and be a Buddha. You can go in and have an all kind of charisma. You can just have all kind. Of, you can have a tree god. Chinese, come on in. You got the tree god. We don't care. But come in there and saying you're talking about Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Oh, they're gonna block you on the internet. <laughs> so why are they really being persecuted? All right, back to the text, verse 17. Says, let's go. Says, but the high priest rose up. And all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. Uh, Sadducees, this is funny, um, they're part of the Sanhedrin. When I talked about the 70 ruling leaders in Israel, in Jerusalem, within the temple. These are the, are the big boys. They're usually they're kind of rich. They're not poor. And they pretty much run the, all of the religious system in, in, in Jerusalem. So they're part of the Sanhedrin. And so you have the Pharisees and you have the, and, and the Sadducees. Sadducees are what some scholars would call modern-day progressive liberals in many sense. They don't have a real healthy understanding of the supernatural. They deny angels, spirits, and demons. So, these are, so this is funny because this is going to come up in the text. So here you see the Sadducees, and the priest rose up, and the Bible said, and they were filled with jealousy. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe in spirits. And they were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public prison. But during the night, 
An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, before I go on, notice what happens in the text. I almost want to make this a point, but I just didn't know I'm with the Holy Spirit. So let's go this route. I can preach it again. And let me say this to you. A sovereign God, all-powerful, knowing, omnipotent, omniscient God who knows everything can deliver his people anytime he wants to. There is not anything that you're going through, as Karen was exhorting us, that God can't deliver you from. We're talking about God who split red seas, who steps out into nothing and speaks something. So it doesn't matter who, what you're going through here today. God is God. That's why I love him. Now God can, he allows us to go through stuff. But God can intervene by divine power anytime he wants to deliver you. And he does. He sent an angel of the Lord. People couldn't see the angel. Angel went in there, whoop, whoop, walked in, unlocked the doors. <laughs> couldn't nobody stop him. That's what the text says. The angel opened the doors. In verse 20, the angel says, go, stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. Why are they really being persecuted? And why are Christians really being persecuted all over the world, here, Fairfield, and beyond? Why? Because of what the angel said. Go, speak to the people. What Jesus said to the disciples on Mount of Galilee, go, go, make disciples. Go, speak to the people all the words of this life. What is he talking about? This words of the gospel, that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the only one that can feed and quench their human souls. He's the only one that can fix us, make us new, transform us. And you don't think the dark world and the dark Lord would impede that? Fight against that? You could come in with all kinds of programs. Pastor Hardy, we love what you're trying to do in Fairfield. But can you just take, can you kind of delete the Jesus out of it? No, I'm never deleting Jesus out of it. You keep your programs, and by the way, you keep your money too as well. Only Jesus can transform Fairfield. Not a governor, not a mayor, not a city councilman. We have one in here, EJ. They can't fix people. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can take a murderer and make him a lover of people. Only Jesus can take an adulterer and make him be a faithful husband and a faithful father to his kids. That's the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which some of us used to be. But now look at us. We're transformed in church. And some of our lost friends are still trying to go to another club, trying to figure it out, still trying to buy a new bottle of champagne, trying to pretend like they're happy. 
Only Jesus. Angel had to sit. I always some of these angels got their theology right. Now the angel would have said, "Now go out there and take Jesus out of it." No, man, you didn't. <laughs> you're not sent from Yahweh. <laughs> you're from somewhere else. He said, "Go and speak to them the words of this life." But why do you think they're being merely persecuted? It's because of what the angels say. They have the answer to the human issue of all life. We're dead in our sins. Empty. Money can't fix us. A new house can't meet our needs. We are something that has happened to the human race when Adam sinned. We're all messed up. We're all distorted. We're broken. We're like empty sisters. You pour water in, it just keeps running out. That's the human soul when it doesn't have Jesus. And Jesus, the angel said, Go and speak to them the words of this life. And so he Jesus, I have come that you may have life, Zoe, or Zoe, and that you may have it more abundantly. Gospel life, true life. We like to call it promised land life, true freedom. And whom the Son sets free, you are what? Free indeed. Second point. To whom is our allegiance in the midst of persecution? Who do we obey? When the rubber meets the road. Let's look at verse um, 30 and verse 21. And let's read the text. It says, now when the high priest came and those who were with them, and those who were with them, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported and found in the prison securely locked the guard standing at the door. The angel was sneaking in, sneaking out, bro. He was smooth with it. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them and not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach. Now hear this. Now there's the council. Sanhedrin. These boys are powerful. I don't think you guys understand it. No, those of you who have gone to seminary understand this is this is like coming before people with them nice robes, like you see with them Catholics. They have them robes on. And they got them big old giant crosses and stuff. I mean, these folks are not playing around. This is a the religious hierarchy. So they're not in front of just anybody. These folks can kill you. So now they come in front of them. Here are the apostles. Verse 28, saying, we strictly charge you, gave you a command not to teach in the name. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, not just Peter, all the apostles answered, here is what our allegiance should be. 
in the midst of all persecution. We must obey God rather than men. When Jesus gave the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe, obey me, and all that I've taught you, all the Christianity is obedience to the Lord of the universe. These apostles are saying, we don't obey the Supreme Court. We don't obey the governor, the president, or whoever it may be, right or left. We obey God. Doesn't matter what the persecution is. Well, we're going to take your 501c3. You never gave it to me. My call didn't come from a 501c3 federal government EIN number. Our calling comes from who? Jesus. You can't tell me when to meet and when not to meet. Jesus gives us the directions when we should meet. And no man or no woman, no Supreme Court can tell the church when they can meet. Well, if you don't keep meeting, we're going to persecute you. We will obey God rather than man. That's who your allegiance will be to. Jesus, that's who you're going to stand in front of. Not in front of man, the God man. 100% man and 100% God. That's who you're going to stand in front of. Not in front of the Supreme Court. It was strictly charged them. Apostles said, we're going to obey God. This is the second time the apostles had to say that. And Christians will always have to say that. We're going to obey our king. The culture may be saying this. And some of you, you need to know, you're going to lose jobs just saying you're obeying Jesus. Or you can see it coming. See, for us here in America, we've been pretty easy. But it's coming in. You can tell it. Oh, what do you believe in? Oh, you don't believe in all the genders? Fire him. Well, Lord, how are you going to protect and provide for me? Trust God. As Karen was saying, our confidence is in who? But Pastor Al, I'm going to lose my job. You're either going to obey Jesus or you're going to obey who? That's persecution. You have to stay. Obey Jesus. He's the provider. You said, Pastor Al, you don't understand. No, I got to make my house. No. <laughs> I do understand. All these guys here in the apostles, I wanted to read it, but I didn't have time because I wanted to get to it. All of them were killed. <laughs> Necks cut off, thrown in hot boiling oil, hung upside down. Christians have been killed since the beginning of time. 2022 Christians here in America, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But that comes with it. Coming to my fourth point, my third point, as we come to a platform. The joy of being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Oh, this is, a, this is a, when the gospel shows up. The joy of being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse 35. Let's get going here. We, we got to land this plane. Verse 35. So, um, Actually, they started at verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged. 
they wanted to kill them. And he's so mad at these apostles when they said this. Well, if you're going to obey God better than us, but a Pharisee of the council named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in high honor all by all the people, stood up, gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was killed. And all who were followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Verse 37, and after this, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. Verse 38, so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if they plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, now watch this, verse 40, and when they had called in the apostles, Peter, James, John, Matthew, they come in there. I can see how they walking in, and they coming in, in the jail. They come, they go get them. They all walk in, you know, real slow. They walking in, probably looking at each other, like what's going to happen? And when they came in, the word of God says in verse 40, when they came in, it says, they beat them. They beat these guys. Now the persecution is really turning up the heat. They get beaten. Well, how did they respond? They beat them, and they gave the charge again in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in what name? Not in their name. So their name don't mean anything. No. We don't care about your name, Peter. We don't want you speaking in the name of Jesus. And this is where a lot of young people fail at. Well, you want, you, you want to, try to try to help Jesus out. I don't really want to mention his name because they're going to kick me out. The dark world can see that. They know people can't be transformed by no other name other than Jesus. So they love it when you try to. Um, psycho babble it and put it in a program language where we're going to do more through therapeutic deals. We're going to transform, but we ain't going to say it's Jesus. They just going to get transformed by some other name. Now, look at the people. It says, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And then they left the presence of the council. Huh? And when I first read this, and they left the presence of the council, and they ran to CNN to tell them how they were unjustly done wrong. <laughs> they went and got a lawyer and tried to sue them. Let's read it again. Make sure I'm going to see that in there. They were left the council rejoicing that they were counted, what, worthy to suffer dishonor for the name? Peter, you must be drinking that cheap wine from Walmart on the bottom shelf. <laughs> Not on the top shelf. Because that wine on the bottom shelf gets you drunk or faster. That's why it's cheap. <laughs> Real wine sneaks up on you. I be at these folks' house, some of these folks, they got a lot of money, you know, so I can't get that high-end wine. I got to get the low-end wine. You know, what you get? I get that, uh, you know, Shuttlesfield. They got all them cheap names. When I go to some of my friends' house, I go, oh, you want to drink some wine? Yeah, I drink a little wine. 
said, what's happening? I look at the name, Cayman Nathan. I don't know, it's some funny name, some French name. How much that cost? I don't want to give you the numbers. Smooth as butter. <laughs> Peter, you must be drinking that cheap Walgreens CBS wine. Bottom shelf all day, every day. Rejoicing that we suffer in the name, in the name of Jesus. Verse 42, and every day in the temple from the house to house. Look, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They didn't stop. They got just gotten beaten. Luke doesn't tell us what happened in this. Those of those who know our Bible, Jewish history, the Mishnah, um, helps us understand the Jews had a system called flogging, 39 lashes. I'm going to give you the definition of flogging. Flogging is an act of whipping or lashing someone or the act of beating the human body for special implements such as whips, lashes, rods, or any other device that inflicts pain and harm. Most of the time, it involves a severe beating or chastisement, so being flogged is one of the most inhumane things that one person or persons can do to another. They were flogged. Some of you saw the passion of the Christ when Jesus was flogged and what that whip was doing to his back. They get beaten. They don't run to CNN. But they're rejoicing that they was counting worthy to be dishonored and to suffer with Jesus and in his name. Here's my question. Why are these apostles rejoicing in being persecuted for the name of Jesus? Why are they? Let me give you a few things why I think it's happening. Please hear me. There is something about suffering and afflictions and persecution for the name of Jesus that is redemptive. That brings us into a deeper knowing, an intimacy with him like no other. People who have suffered, been dishonored, been persecuted for the name of Jesus, they, they just seem to have what Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 10, 11, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. There's something about when we suffer with Jesus, we know him more. You can feel it when a person is singing from the head and when they're singing from the heart, they have suffered with him. You can just tell when they're singing, it is well. They have been in the valley of the shadow of death and they have come to understand that it is well with my soul. Suffering brings us into this knowing of him power of his resurrection. These disciples, the apostles, they knew that. Cordell, put this slide up. Now I'm heading into communion. Last slide. The Holy Spirit is real, guys. I'm about to show you some. You know, we have communion once a month here. So, Lord, help me. Communion, intimacy, rapport. And here's what Jesus says. 
Luke 22. It said, when the hour came, he reclined at a table. And the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you. Oh, my goodness. Listen, I started shouting so loud last time. Sandra had her earphones. She couldn't hear me. subsiding with that. He said, I desire to eat with you this Passover. With you. Here it is. Verse 4. But some of you The veil was made available to us sinners. We would never know how much it cost for his love. That he died on the cross. Before he ate, he said, I, before I suffer, it's through his suffering, his persecution, that you know him. That you get to come into his presence. So as we continue to suffer with him for his sake, we'll draw closer to him. When we stand alone, Friends, this morning, we just look quickly. And you know how it works. 